Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Mon! Good morning, Lyle! And coming up in today's, in today's show, Mon is late. It's losing her mind. <laughs> and losing her mind. <laughs> if you want to hear Mond oh, lose her mind, dear. just stay tuned. This is the delayed broadcast, so we know already know what's ha- what is coming up. Yeah, it's and, been a tumultuous uh, show. Mon spills her brains all over the airwaves. Yeah, yeah. Do you know this, is, uh, the stories that I told today about you know how my disaster week has been going? It's not even all of them. I, I have another one to tell you off air. <laughs> it's it's too embarrassing. To oh, share this is so air. much fun. Too embarrassing. This to is share such a air. fun show coming up for you guys. I can't get, believe that it gets to go out twice. It's just the best. <laughs> Today wow. I am today I am loving the. Uh, usually I detest the delayed broadcast. Today I'm loving the delayed broadcast. <laughs> just just, just so to get the listeners up, fun again. Just to get you up to speed, listeners. I made it to the studio today with twenty seconds. Nineteen point seven seconds before we went live on air. <laughs> And uh, so I had to run and I was very huffed and puffed because I'm, I'm not much of a runner. <laughs> <laughs> so much fun. But anyway. I am grateful that I made it because I, I, I want to have perfect attendance records. So, of course. Yeah, of course. You yeah. would have all been able to hear this live if you'd been listening to the live show. This is the live show. And have if a you're missing, and missing out on all of the fun, so jump across to faithfm.com.au or grab the free version of the TuneIn app for your phone. Make Faith FM Australia your favourite. And you can listen to Faith FM anywhere in Australia, anywhere in the world, yeah. anywhere where you've got a data connection. You'll never have a bad signal. You'll always have the live show. It is simply the best. Yes, and coming up to today's show, we have some wonderful uh, topics and segments that we're going to be discussing, which you can still call up and weigh in on. I have a very interesting story about something that I'm pretty keen on, and that is minimalism. It's uh, I guess I'm a recovering hoarder, and so I'm moving towards minimalism. And uh, yeah, so we'll talk a little bit about that. We talk about uh, the world's largest single organism, which is very mm-hmm. interesting. Squirrels, which is, which is not a mushroom. Featured, <laughs> yeah. The second, the second largest is a mushroom. We have a question of the day that is so big we have to do part two. Yeah, I just got yeah. halfway through it. In fact, I got a third of the way through it. Maybe do part three. I, I, think, I think I can do part. I can think I can do two parts tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, it was big. It was good, and I'm looking forward to hearing part two tomorrow. Um, but you know what? Jump across the live show. You can catch everything live over there. And uh, oh, guess what, everyone? Somebody got the quiz right after the second clue and beat Lyle to first, it. First clue. Oh, so after the first clue, that's first right, clue. my bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So someone got double prizes. Somebody won double prizes. Someone who was not a kid because usually it's kids that beat Lyle. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, stay tuned. We have a great show coming up for you starting right now. What a wondrous love is this, oh my soul, oh my soul. What wondrous love is this for my soul? What wondrous love is this that caused the Lord of bliss to bear the dreadful curse for my soul? To bear the dreadful curse for my soul? I'm not afraid to 
Then from death I'm free, I'll sing one And when from death I'm free, I'll sing in joyful peace And through eternity I'll sing one And through eternity I'll sing Back, guys, you're listening to Jaden Lavick there with What Wondrous Love. And as we get into today's show, we're going to have a clue for our quiz. Yes, What's our indeed, first clue? we are. Okay, so it's which is not up on which is not up on Instagram. No, no. so Instagram is aren't going to be able to get in early for this. What? Why is that, Mon? <laughs> why? What? Why is it not up? I on have Insta- no idea. No idea whatsoever. I never heard <laughs> could, such a could, thing. Couldn't possibly. Couldn't possibly <laughs> been Mon being late Super this morning. Late. Probably the, the latest I've ever been in my life. I think I came in with, what was it, 20 seconds to spare? Yeah, 20 yeah. seconds. 20 no, 19, seconds. actually. 19, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was 19 on the song when you opened the front door. I'm really awake right now, i tell you what. <laughs> I bet you are. <laughs> I just ran. Oh, okay. Who am I? Uh, let me just have a quick check to see which is the hardest quiz clue. Oh, okay, here checking, we go. Yep, this will be see, fine. See, yeah. see, this normally happens. Well, sometimes the harder ones are like the second or the yeah, third Yeah, I know. It's weird, so eh? Yeah, so I'm going to switch it around and just make it as hard as possible. I mean, this this particular Who Am I is not easy by any stretch of the imagination. It's probably like a moderate to hard quiz yes. today. Mahershal El Hashbaz. You got it. Oh, there you go. No, 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 no I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, because you couldn't come up with five clues for Mahershal El Hashbaz. Well, you know, you could just go through the alphabet. My name starts with M. <laughs> but you shouldn't be guessing on, on air, young man. Okay, you ready? Who am I? I could come up with three clues for Mahershal El Hashbaz. My name starts with M. My father was Isaiah. My mother was called the Virgin. Uh, my name means uh, yeah, I could And then maybe, also, maybe then also could, you can say like where in the Bible it's found Like you'll find my story in the book of yeah, so and so Isaiah Yeah, and then that could be like father the is Isaiah. Clue. Yeah, of course Well, yeah. you never know We went to have a look at the story of Cain and Abel in the book of uh, John That's right, we did so, yeah. Absolutely, First John First John, not just yep, John Chapter 3 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, who am I? First clue Paltiel, son of Laish, was my second husband I love that look of confusion on your face, Lyle. It just brings me so much joy. I wish you could all see the confused look on his face as he's trying, trying so hard to feed his male ego by knowing the quiz after one clue. (laughs) 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 Ah, If you have an answer for that, give me a call. Lyle does not have Ah, a right. He's guessing by writing down a piece of paper and he's incorrect. Male ego is down the tube. So you know what that means. There are two prizes up for grabs today. I will tell you what they are after the next song break because I haven't fished them out of the box yet. And uh, if you would like to give a crack. Why, Why haven't they come? out of the box yet. <laughs> Look, everyone, I was late. Let's not keep talking about it. <laughs> We're going to talk about it. The whole show. 
That's fair enough. I did leave you in the lurch. <laughs> but hey, give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM. 1-800-324-843. If you know the answer, I'm going to send you two prizes today because Lyle hasn't figured it out yet. All right. So what have we got in positively different news for today? Lyle, I have some good news. Okay. So the other day, I actually watched this really interesting documentary uh, on Netflix uh, called Minimalism. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And, yeah, um, yeah. yeah and I'm, I was really into it. I was, I was well, as I was watching it, I was thinking to myself, man, I'm going to talk about this on the radio and I want to recommend that everyone re- uh, watches this because it's such a good flick. However, like partway through, they did talk about, um, there was this one gentleman who had, uh, he had a breakdown and, um, and, because you know, because there's such a, a an oppression from society and marketing and advertising and to buy and to have and to take, 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 and it's just we're being bombarded with it. And um, um, and he turned to meditation. So one of the little segments of the film was about meditation. I was like, well, that's not really something I would necessarily condone. I'd condone, you know, worshiping God and meditating. On no, the no, word I believe in meditating. Yeah, yeah. But he Bible was talking, he was meditating. talking about like that, that Zen. Blah, 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 kind of meditation. Sorry, that's not a word. And um, <laughs> so yeah, so I, I I still would recommend watching it, but just be a little uh, mindful about you know some of the processes. That you don't necessarily support everything that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but we'll get that. but from a factual state in terms of what they were saying about how Western society has gone in terms of our consumerism mm-hmm. was just really shocking. Yeah, we we, really we have consumerism out of control. Uh, way, way, way out of control. Yeah, if and you're going to buy new stuff and you've got a you know need to buy new stuff, yeah. buy tools. <laughs> Lyle, 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 Lyle. <laughs> but th- there was something that they brought up which actually. <laughs> Really stunned me. Um, so we, and this was about clothing and, um, and they were talking about, you know, the recycled clothing and the clothing that people throw away. They no longer throw clothes away because they've worn out. They throw clothes away now because they're no longer fashionable. And, uh, and they said that the resale value of, of used clothes is like, less than the value of food, which historically is like a massive topsy-turvy paradigm shift. Like usually, like, you know, buying a plate Mm. of food was always cheaper than buying any piece of clothing. But now you can get like a whole outfit for less than a sandwich at like a cafe these days. You know, sandwiches are going to be expensive. And, um, And they were saying how the fashion used to be like two seasons a year. Cold mm-hmm. and you're hot, right? And then it went to four seasons a year, you know, going um, spring, summer, autumn, winter. I guess for regions that have four seasons. Yeah, yeah, not so much here. And uh, But now, Lyle, kid you not, they now do 52 seasons a year. Oh, come on. I'm serious. I'm absolutely serious. So the, the, the Fashion retailers are now producing, changing over the stock in their shops Every week, so that so, and they do it intentionally, so that consumers will feel um, like unsure. They'll feel like uneasy because they're no longer in style uh, within within a week. Like something that they bought last week is no longer appealing to them because it's no longer in the shops. You know, you can't see it anywhere anymore. And they to the point where retailers will rip out all the clothes at the end of the week from their shelves. They'll take scissors and cut them up. So people can't, you know, fish them out of the dumpster, um, and then chuck them out in the in the street in the trash, and then restock their shelves. That can't be a real thing. No, absolutely, it is. It, I, I saw footage of it. You have got to be yeah. joking. So I mean, this that is this is so obscene. Yeah. This. How long have you had that dress for? This dress? Oh, like a year and a bit. Way out of fashion. One, like fifty-two weeks out of fashion. Come on, <laughs> what is your problem? But yeah, take some scissors to that <laughs> thing. Throw it in the rubbish bin. Let's talk about your shirt, Lyle. How many years is that old? This jumper. Um, no, my shirt is the oldest thing I'm wearing right now. Yeah, I can tell. I can see holes in it. 
Literally. There's not holes in my shirt. There's They're holes in the back yes, of your collar. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I love this shirt. It's my favorite shirt. They were talking about this level of consumer, consumerism, and um, There's and no of course, holes in my shirt on the back of the collar is. But let's not. Let's move on. And um, and uh, and so we were talking about. Um, they were talking about you know fashion, but then is fashion is probably when we think about fast moving, changing uh, consumerism. We usually think about fashion, but the fact is, it's also leaked into uh, electronics. And so you see people, um, you know, lining up for days to get like the latest phone, whatever it is. And even though their old phone works perfectly, and they're saying how the studies now show that they crave whatever new gadget has come out so much that their current one that they own, which is perfectly functioning <clears throat> and last year still bought them joy, now is like a point of contention for them. Like it now brings them grief that they have like the previous season's iPhone or whatever it is or Samsung, whatever. And it's just the mentality of it is crazy. But I was also really concerned because this level of like flipping and constantly staying in fashion with our items has now moved to household items. So we're talking like refrigerators, toasters, appliances, kettles, because you know that they come out and they look real cute. Like you've, I'm sure your wife and myself even have shown you pictures of like really cute, like retro styled kettles and then copper kettles and then, you know, pink kettles and then kettles that look like Versace and this kind of stuff. But it's, it's becoming that like every season you need to repurchase all your appliances. Like it's just crazy. It's just crazy to think that one day, we're headed towards a place where we switch out our refrigerators because they they're no longer looking cute, cool. Like it's just isn't that insane? Yeah, that's pretty insane. That's anyway, pretty crazy. So I, I was <laughs> I mean, I tried to sell, sell a TV the other day. Mm-hmm. Flat screen TV, perfect working order. Couldn't get two bucks for it. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with it. Could not get two dollars for it. Yeah. Multiple garage sales that thing went to until it went in the Willie bin. There you go. That's exactly what I mean. Because yeah. I couldn't. You know, I had no use for it. Yeah. 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 Well, I wasn't actually going to talk about minimalism, but this story has just come out um, that made me think, do you know what? I am going to talk about minimalism on air. This is a story uh, about Chow Young-Fat. Do you know who Chow Young-Fat is? No. Uh, massive um, movie star. He's actually from Hong Kong, so he's bigger in the uh, Asian market than he is uh, in the you know American Western market. But he, he has uh, started like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, that kung fu movie that came out like oh, a couple of decades ago. Anyway... He's a, he's like a multi-millionaire. Very, very, he's probably the most famous, I want to say, actor in Asian film. He, so he's 63 years old and he has a net worth of $714 million. Him and his wife, gonna give it all away. So get this, even though he's so filthy rich, he only spends about $100 a month, doesn't drive luxury sports car, doesn't live in a mansion, uh, he buys his clothes at op shops, he and his wife prefer to eat at food stalls, he takes public transport, he only recently bought a smartphone after his Nokia, which he had for 17, <laughs> 17 yeah, years, yeah, 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 finally yeah, yeah, broke. Yeah, 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 I've still got, I've got a Nokia that's 17 years old and it still works perfectly. Yeah. And he said, my dream is to be a happy and normal person and the hardest thing in life is not about how much money you earn, but how to keep a peace peaceful mindset and live the rest of your life in a simple, carefree manner. And in this documentary that I watched, Jim Carrey said, people don't realize that being rich and famous is not the answer. And you don't realize that until you get rich and famous. So my challenge today is, you know, do we need to rethink what we have and how much we earn and realize that we can be happy with the amount that we have and maybe even less? A flower grows And I believe that somewhere In the darkest night A candle glows 
Welcome back, guys. That was Michael Yazazi and Martha Barlow with I Believe here on Faith FM. We have somebody who won a prize before I did, and they're not 12 years old. Oops, sorry, I forgot to put it to my microphone. Yes, they're not 12 years old. But you Is have it? been whooped again, last South. Well, someone has answered the quiz ahead of you. Uh, so, Vani from Sydney has gotten the quiz correct. Lyle, I'm going to give you one more clue and see if you can't figure out on the second clue. Mm. My parents are Saul and Ahinoam. 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 Saul and Ahinoam. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Mitchell, Michael, Michelle. That's correct. That's correct. And Vani got it right. She texted in the correct answer. Yep, yep, it was yep, David's yep, yep. first wife, Michael. And uh, Vani, you have won double prizes this morning that we're going to send you. I think we should call her Michelle. <laughs> I don't like calling her Michael. Why? Okay, we need to vote. We need to have people call in and tell okay, us how, how would you how pronounce? Is this, how is it spelt? M I C H A L. Michelle. <laughs> it's, spelled, it's pronounced Michelle Michael It's Michelle Michael Nah, because Michael is M-I-C-H-A-E-L Well, Mike, Michelle is Mike M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E And not even your wife spells it like that She spells no. it with one L That's right, she's a one L Give us a call and tell L. us how you think this should be pronounced She's a one L shell If we can have a scholar actually call us up and tell us the correct pronunciation We yes, might please even do. you a prize Yeah, absolutely <laughs> We need a, uh, a Hebrew expert right now yes, to, um, yes. to call in and let us know um, for uh, yeah, what that one is. Okay, Barney, when we send you double prizes, congratulations on winning that on the first clue. Good job. Okay, Lyle, the world's largest organism. What is it, Mon? Turns out I had it wrong. It is not the Great Barrier Reef. Ah, and the reason it's not not the Great Barrier Reef is because the Great Barrier Reef is made up of lots of small organisms that all have their own uh, individual DNA and individual genes. Okay, but did you say the largest single organism? Single organism. Okay, okay. yeah, the largest single organism. <laughs> I'll hand it to you then. Sure, you got me there. I, I have no idea what the largest single organism is. Is it like a whale or something? Uh, no, it's not a whale. Is it a tree? It's not a tree. Oh, uh, uh, ooh, that sounded like you were trying. Not a tree. I, I, I'll start with a... Oh, oh wait, 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 wait. Is it some sort of creeping vine thing that's like crept over like half of a country somewhere? Nope, it's not a creeping vine. <sighs> I give up. I, I'll tell you, I'll start with the second largest, the world's second largest single organism on, is a mushroom. A mushroom. Yes, it's a mushroom. Why are you talking about mushrooms? We both have a shared hatred for mushrooms. I know. That's right. This one's called the humongous fungus. <laughs> <laughs> and it covers eight square kilometers. 
What? And what? And basically, what it is is root system just goes through the whole surface of the ground and That's pops revolting. up as little itty bitty mushrooms all over the place. And is just absolutely. I just want to release an army of squirrels upon that thing. <laughs> you know, squirrels like mushrooms, right? Uh, I knew there was a reason I didn't like squirrels. What? Squirrels are awesome. Squirrels are all. I just, all-time I just changed my mind on them. Okay, good. Because <laughs> they don't like mushrooms. No, they do like mushrooms. I mean, they do like mushrooms. So I, I think they're getting rid of mushrooms. Okay, yeah, now yeah, I do yeah. like them. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay, the world's largest living single organism is an aspen tree Ooh. that covers 100 acres, weighs 6,000 tons, what? and is made up of 46,000 single trees. And so basically what it is, it's a root system. So uh-huh. what you've got <coughs> is an aspen tree grew, it put out roots, from those roots suckers came up mm-hmm. and grew more aspen trees who put out roots, and from those roots suckers came up and put out more aspen trees, and so now you've got a forest. Four, 46 thousand trees in this forest that all have identical genes, identical DNA, they're identical clones to each other, and they're all part of one root system. So it's basically a forest of one tree. Yeah, kind of like that. That, is, that pops that up in so many cool. places. So I was correct. It was a tree and it was like a root system. Yeah, you were like, correct after yeah, yeah. like the fourth guess. Come on now. <laughs> that's, yeah, but that's really cool, eh? Yeah, that's super cool. Um, but the problem is that it's collapsing. No, what? Yeah, it's How? Um, lack of wolves. Lack of wolves? Yeah, lack of wolves. I was not expecting you to say that. Where lack is this thing? It's in Utah. Okay. In, in the United States. And so basically what happened, What happens is that um, they've got this, this, this big organism, right? So they turn it into a national park. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people As can go there and see it, which I would so do if I was... Absolutely. I mean, it's, like going to a forest of aspen trees, but I'd still, you know, yeah, tick yeah. that off as the yeah, cool factor. Yeah, so cool. Um, <clears throat> so they make it into a national park. So, of course, um, there's no wolves. Wolves have been suppressed in Utah. There are very few wild wolves in, in Utah mm-hmm. for agricultural pur- purposes. Um, and so the deer that live there have no predators because humans aren't allowed to shoot in the national park. And wolves are not present in the national park, and so deer numbers have gone out of control, and they eat all the the young shoots. And now it's starting to collapse because the you know the aspen trees die and they're not being pre- well, replaced they by new ones. Bring wolves back. Yeah, and Utah's the kind of state that that's not likely to happen. There's a bit of a conservative. That's state ridiculous. I like, I don't like it when 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 greenies um diddly with the with the animals. Like I don't like it when they're like. Oh, well, here's the problem with the greenies. Deers are nice; because, they can stay, but the, wolves can't come back because they're not good for tourism. If you want to protect an agri- <coughs> uh, an ecosystem, you have to leave the yeah, wolves yeah, in yeah, there yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so they want to put up a fence. What? Around how many aspen trees? It's only it's only uh, hundred acres. So they want to put up a fence to keep the deer out. That's crazy. But the greenies are upset about that because then the deer don't don't get to do their Just natural thing. Just chuck some and, wolves in there for goodness' and, and, sake and, and eat it. But the wolves will of course um, wander out of there because wolves wander by nature. Mm-hmm. That's what mm-hmm. wolves do, and kill all of the uh, sheep and cattle. And so you won't have any wool. And once so again, veganism crochet. would fix that. Uh, you won't have any wool to crochet with. Please, uh, please. My wool comes from Italy. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, and so, um, of course, this is a an organism that is based on all growth and mm-hmm. no defense. It doesn't have thorns, doesn't have you know toxins or anything like that. And so its growth is not being able to keep up with its predation, it turns out. Anyway, moving on to the humongous fungus, because I know you want to talk about that one. This one weighs 9.5 tons. That's a big mushroom. Yeah, you're not wrong. It's a big mushroom. 
And uh, there's a punk rock band that put out a uh, an album named after it. It's called The Humongous Fungus Among Us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Is this but an talking about wolves, Talking about wolves. Yeah, they yeah. did put wolves back in Yellowstone National Park, and that was interesting because... It worked, um, right? <clears throat> yeah, it worked because um, there was less deer, so more trees grew. The forest expanded. Uh, the riverbanks stabilised, which stabilised the river flow, which meant that uh, beavers moved back in because there was oh. more trees. The birds moved back in because the beavers moved back in, the otters moved back in, and the ducks moved back in. Um, and the coyote numbers went down, so the mice and the rabbits uh, numbers went up, and which meant that the weasel and badger numbers went up. See, that's amazing. Yeah, just by just by so putting wolves in there, it's quite a, quite dramatic. And what's also really interesting is if you go to the middle of Australia, you've got the uh, dingo-proof fence, you know, mm-hmm. that runs across Australia, and that thing is. Uh, oh, I did write it down here somewhere. It's um, you mean the rabbit-proof. About, fence? No, the dingo-proof one. It's five thousand okay. five hundred and thirty-one kilometers long, Ooh. and it's one hundred and twenty years old. And uh, <clears throat> if on on either side of the fence, the dunes are different. Oh, you know, because it goes through a lot of you know desert mm-hmm, areas. Mm-hmm. The dunes are different because. Um, let me see here. I, I, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. So on one side of the fence where there's no dingoes, you've got a much larger population of feral cats and foxes. Ooh. Now, they eat all of the small species like rodents rather than the large ones like kangaroos. So the kangaroo population has gone up mm-hmm. and all of your rodents have gone down. <clears throat> the rodents used to eat seeds. So now all of the shrubs numbers have gone up, which creates more shade, which creates more lichens and mosses, which stabilizes the dunes, which no longer move. They are now stable. They stay in the one place and uh, they stay big rather than getting flattened out every now and then. And uh, yeah, you can, uh, you can take a satellite view across the, uh, the dingo-proof fence, and you've got a different ecology on either side of it. That's incredible. Yeah. Just one little change, and you have a totally different ecology. That's it just blows my mind. Oh, it does, eh? It yeah. does. And, and you sort of wonder, well, what would what did Australia look like before yes. dingoes were introduced? Because yeah. they're an introduced species. Are they really? Yeah, absolutely. They came from uh, Indonesia or somewhere or other. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. I, the whole time we were talking about this, I was like, why is blocking out dingoes a bad thing? I thought dingoes were a native animal, but I guess not. Well, it depends. They, they are kind of a native animal in that they've been here so long and because they predate... Um, obviously, um, you know, white settlement, we mm-hmm. consider them to be a native animal, a native dingo, but they're not. They were introduced, I think, like 500 or 1,000 years ago or something or other. I'd have to by who? look that one up. By the Dutch? Yeah, people, people coming across from Indonesia. No, not by the Dutch, by Aboriginal um, Indigenous Australians. Okay, okay. Um, you know, communication across that whole area there. And, uh, yeah, so dingoes came to Australia and it would be – you kind of wonder what did the place look like before that? Yeah, yeah. Now I wonder that – I'm not so fond of dingoes anymore, suddenly. I'm always really proud of our animals, but now I feel like I've got an imposter in the mix. So which, so which do you prefer, those? Like dingoes and dingoes on one side of the fence and, and cats and foxes on the other? I, I yeah, go with that's the dingoes. Hard. That's, yeah, and I like sand dunes. I'm into sand dunes at the moment. We'd like to go to the Middle East. There you go. Anyway, give us a call. Tell us what you think. Jesus, it is like the widow's oil. It's enough to pay the price to set you free. He can fill up every jar and every heart that ever beat. When it's all you have, it's all you'll ever need. When it's all you have, it's all you'll ever need. i
of Jesus, it is like the widow's oil. When it's all you have, it's all you'll ever need. It is all you'll ever need. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia. And we have Pastor David Stojic joining us once again in the studio. David, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Lyle. Good now, to be here again. Good to have you again. Last week, you started talking about a very interesting topic, and that is what makes marriage work. We talked about uh, masters of marriage and disasters of marriage, I think it was. That's right. And uh, living in a society where one out of three marriages falls apart, this is a really important topic. Yeah. Um, now, you quoted an author, Dr. Dick Tibbetts, uh, who in one of his books talks about a U.S. study um, which, according to which, you know, being unhappily married is more detrimental to your health than smoking. Now, you're a qualified relationship counsellor. What are the main reasons for the breakdown in relationships? Oh, thank you. Thank you for asking. Uh, well, I'll repeat what I mentioned a couple of weeks ago when I was here in the studio. Uh, similar or actually really the same question was posed to a well-known Christian author, now late, uh, Tim LaHaye. Uh, he's written many books on marriage. I remember back in Europe when I used to live as a young person, uh, I, I came across a title which made me laugh. Uh, <laughs> the title was How to Be Happy Though Married. Uh, <laughs> it was a real, a real uh, attention grabber. Sure. Uh, and, and so his answer was that the main cause for marriage breakdown is selfishness. And um, it's really hard to argue with his answer, isn't it? Yeah, no, you, you're absolutely right. It, it, it truly is. And selfishness, you know, that's a condition that we all need to watch very, very carefully. Uh, it, it seems to be far more natural than generosity to most people, I find. <laughs> yeah. um, and ultimately, you know, from a spiritual perspective, selfishness is a consequence of sin. And I, I guess as a result of, you know, the <laughs> sinful nature that we are born with, That's we are right. born selfish people. That's you right. You know, being disconnected from God, and the best way to deal with that is to connect with God and to let Him change us. There's, this, right. there's this great passage in, uh, in Ezekiel chapter 36, um, and I'll read here 26 to 27, where it says, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Now, David, you mentioned last time some research that explains the reasons behind marriage breakdown. We ran out of time last time, so I'm wondering whether you can uh, tell us a little bit more about all that. Yes, uh, the research comes from uh, to us from the Gottman Institute. Uh, the founders, uh, do- Drs. John and, and Julie Gottman, are uh, among the most reputable researchers on this topic in the world. Uh, they've been researching this topic, uh, and they did what we call a latitudinal study uh, over a long period of time, like 30 to 40 years. And, and their findings are, very, findings are very helpful for couples. Yes, indeed. Now, there's a lot of uh, a lot of their material on YouTube. They've authored a good many books. So, um, what did they find out? 
According to the Gottman Institute, there are two essential ingredients for a marriage to thrive. Uh, so if we want to be masters and not disasters mm-hmm. of marriage, we need to, we need to pay attention to this. There are two essential ingredients for a good, happy, successful marriage. Uh, they are trust and commitment. They're like two pillars on which they, the house of marriage stands. Uh, uh, where one or both of these is undermined, and not addressed successfully, the marriage will not survive or it won't have any quality to it, really, or very little quality. Yeah, that's interesting, David. I just want to divert there for a moment because when you talk about trust and commitment, I was looking at some research um, myself this week, um, and this was by sociologist Tim Heaton from the Brigham Young University who who stated that – who noted that those who practiced abstinence before marriage, as in, you know, they were were virgins before marriage. That's right, yeah. They have a 20% increased level of relationship satisfaction, 12% better communication, and 15% improved sexual quality. And there you have it. I'm sort of looking at that, you know, when somebody abstains before marriage, that's a symbol of trust. That's right. And commitment. That's you right. You know, they, they've gone into it like, I just, you know, and I, I just found that fascinating. It's very good research. And I think, I think a lot of people would, uh, would, you know, have, you know, problem accepting it. But really, the facts are there. And, and, um, you know, the people are able to trust somebody who has never had previous partners a lot more uh, than people who have had a plethora or multitudes of partners. Yeah, because you'd never be you'd never be wondering, you know, am I the best he's ever had? Am I the worst he's ever? Yeah, you know, those those would never cross your mind because That's you'd right. be like, I'm the only one. That's right. Which is That's right. which is pretty special. So it really does make a lot of sense and trust and commitment, you know, this needs to be um, nurtured and protected and you know, it's going to require effort and quality time, a lot of goodwill and good communication. Um, so obviously uh, you know, trust and commitment can be undermined. How do we do that? Uh, I think a lot of people are very good at it. <laughs> <laughs> it seems so. It seems so. So, what, how do you become an expert at becoming an expert at being a disaster in marriage? Okay. So, so really, uh, the Gottman Institute calls um, calls um, these things the four horsemen of the apocalypse. So, there are four areas through which we can really undermine uh, a good relationship, or even prevent a relationship from developing into a good relationship. Uh, they have some, uh, they have done something very interesting in their research. Uh, they have become famous for what they call love labs or laboratories, uh, where they had newlyweds, uh, uh, under surveillance, uh, so under observation, mm-hmm. uh, 24 hours a day, they would give them a, a beautiful apartment, they would go there for, for, um, for a number of days, and so everything was on camera except for, you know, their, those private uh, places like toilets and, and, and bedroom. And, and that's, they, that's pretty intense surveillance. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and, and so they came up with about 70 to 90% accuracy uh, with a prediction Having observed uh, those, those, and they wire them to, to check their pulse, their heart rate, and everything as they talk, as they argue, if they argued, and they came up with with a seventy to ninety percent accuracy, or to and ability to predict whether a marriage would actually survive or end up in divorce based on how people behave with each other. And that's interesting because that's when they're under surveillance. 
That's you right. know, if you're under surveillance, you'd kind of be on your best. I would think I would be on my best, uh, on my best behaviour, and sort of like, oh, I want the, I want these researchers to get uh, a good impression of me. That's right. Um, and they were still able to come up with those results. But if still your your wife um, and newlywed said something you didn't like, your your, your blood pressure probably would go up. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe on the outside you would be calm, <laughs> but your blood pressure would go up, and 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 uh, maybe body language would indicate that, that you are not uh, really impressed so anyway they really developed this into fine art yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know and they were able to predict seven to nine out of ten so to say that's 70 to 90 yeah, yeah. percent prediction accuracy who is going to end up in divorce over some year for maybe first 10 years that's that's very impressive now i assume that there were um, you know, we talk about four horsemen of the apocalypse and if you actually read those as they are depicted in revelation chapter 7 they're kind of <laughs> scary um, there's these four scary horses come out so um, <laughs> I, i'm assuming this is four areas in which these couples were not doing well that's that's um, that's exactly so so they were those harbingers of bad things yeah <laughs> you know? so they were criticism uh Defensiveness, which is like exactly on the when one is criticizing, the other is defending. Contempt and and stonewalling. So these were the four horsemen of the apocalypse, uh, four harbingers, <laughs> you know, uh, of of of, uh, of of trouble to come. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it seems really obvious then that those who are engaged in these patterns of behavior uh, would really struggle, you know, with their relationships, not just marriage but all other relationships what can we actually do about these these four horsemen these harbingers of danger and that's right so so this is uh this is not my wisdom this is the wisdom of their research and and they said that that in each of of uh you know of the um of these areas there's things we can do when it comes to criticism uh it's good to use instead of you uh you do this and you do that. It's good. It's used. It's good to use I statements. I feel sad or I feel hurt when these things are being said mm, and so mm. on and so on. Uh, when it comes to defensiveness, it's uh, and also by the way with criticism, also they found out one thing: if one partner is criticizing, the other actually has to has to have a soft response. A soft dancer turns away wrath, the Bible says. So true. Hey, um, David, that's a really interesting um, observation that you've made there. I want to, I want to delve into this a little bit more deeply. Yep. Um, we do need to go to a break. So we'll be right, right back right after this song. Yes, he does. Oh, yes, he does. Did you know that God loves you? Yes, he does. Oh, yes, he does. He would give his life for you.
Welcome back, everybody. I'm here with David Storgett. We have been talking about uh, marriage and the masters and the disasters of marriage. We were specifically talking about the four horsemen of criticism, defensiveness, contempt, and stonewalling, these harbingers of disaster. And you're mentioning, uh, David, as we, as we went to the break, uh, that criticism, one of the ways of dealing with that, of course, is using an I statement rather than a you statement. That's so right. I feel this way rather than you are then this blaming way. And blaming and using yeah. you and, and, and blaming. Uh, so there is, there is a very interesting research there with regard to that. Um, for instance, they worked out that if somebody has what they call harsh startup, mm-hmm. uh, uh, so say for instance, uh, uh, um, a husband says to wife, a wife says to a husband, you never clean up after yourself. Do I look like your mother? You know, it's a fairly kind of a harsh. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 would, that would hit me pretty hard. <laughs> harsh opener that, that actually the research shows that in 96%, it's almost like 10 out of 10 cases, if somebody has a harsh startup, that actually the whole situation is going to end up uh, and deteriorate and that it will end up negatively. So they are advising with, with this criticism that we very, that we think very carefully before we go into blaming mode and, and harsh statements that we actually try to have a soft startup rather so than So if harsh. there's something in the relationship that we don't like, yep. we gain nothing yep. with a harsh startup. We don't. Uh, this last week I was, I was doing some counseling with a couple and, and they, like, they cannot agree how to deal with certain issues. They, they have some pent up feelings about things and, and which spoils their, their mood. And they came up with a very interesting device. They said, okay, let's have a, a conference time once a week, uh, say midweek. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to use, you use, Pink slip and I'll use yellow slips. Uh, and, and anything that bothers me, I put that in the folder. And you put it in the folder, but you put that on Wednesday morning. You don't carry it whole week. Like, you know, I have some issue and, 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 and it can spoil the whole week. That was their kind of uh, rationale. Let's put it in the folder uh, and let's go over it on Wednesday morning mm-hmm. and then Let's have a family conference, think about it, pray about it, and so on and so on. So they mm. kind of are developing their way of dealing with their issues thoughtfully rather than actually going through a, through a minefield all the time and arguing about issues mm. all the time. Mm. Yeah, I love that idea of having a family conference about it as well. That's right. So, so once a week instead of actually having arguments and skirmishes all the time, mm-hmm. they hold their fire. They hold their anger. <laughs> they put put their 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 kind of uh, uh, issues in the folder, and they, they have the family conference. And that would give you the opportunity, I guess, to for the emotions to come down and reason to be That's able right. to actually be a part of the conversation and pray about it. And prayer, of course. prayer, yeah, absolutely. So, so when it comes to defensiveness. Yes. Uh, you know, um, the the antidote, according to to the Gottmans, is instead of defending yourself. Take ownership of what you can. You know, the first thing that when somebody is saying something, the first thing that many people do is go into defensive mode. Mm-hmm. And instead of saying, look, I'm very sorry. What if I have done something unknowingly that had offended you? I'm very sorry because our relationship matters mm-hmm. and, and so on and so on. Stonewalling, oh, well, with contempt, by the way. They say that the antidote for contempt is building 
culture of appreciation. Contempt is putting somebody down, you know, crit- well, it's related to criticism a little bit, but it's even more, uh, it's even more pronounced. And they say that actually fondness, practicing fondness and admiration, where we genuinely express our, our appreciation and fondness of our partner strategically and meaningfully, not just saying it be, and not meaning it, but finding something in our partner that is, that is meaningful, that is good, and expressing our fondness and admiration of that person. And with stonewalling, uh, that's basically when people are about to, to explode, but they're trying to contain themselves. They're going to be flooded. They're using the word, the expression flooding. Mm-hmm. Instead of flooding, they go into their own shell, you know, and they, they say nothing. Uh, so that, you know, and they say with well, this one, the best uh, approach is actually self-soothing, uh, self-soothing. It's interesting that with, with relationship counseling, Lyle, I use, I use um, a certain device that I put on people's fingers and I can see their, their, their uh, heart rate. And if it heads towards 90, I immediately say to them, now let's time, let's get up. Let's do some, some breathing exercises. Oh, and that wow. lower, that lowers the, 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 the blood pressure. That refocuses them, so it prevents the flooding. That's, it's that's very, really very, very using some some modern science for well, um, counselling. Oxim- like oxim- they, they call them oximeters, you yeah. know, these days, so you can see see the you know um, <coughs> how their their uh, physique is 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 how their body is functioning. Mm. Okay, so um, continuing on from there, is there? Any spiritual advice for struggling marriages? Oh, look, I'm sure now you're coming to our, to our favorite, favorite <laughs> yeah, part of this. So there is uh, uh, the, the spiritual advice to, to anyone who is hearing our conversation this morning is get to know God, not just through information, uh, not just get to know about God, but get to know God personally experientially and relationally. The Word of God, the Bible, is a book about relationships. The most important relationship that the Bible talks about is our relationship with our Maker, with God. Mm-hmm. And the quality of our relationship with our spouse and, and other people will be directly proportional to the quality of our relationship with God. More God, more love, more love, less selfishness, less selfishness, Better marriage and better relationships. That's a uh, that's a pretty good way of stating it right there, and I like that it comes back to this issue of selfishness, which is really the number one reason that we identified right at the beginning. That's right. You know, God's love is an unselfish love. That's it's right. a self-sacrificing love. It's the example that Jesus gave for us. Absolutely. It's, it's, you know, this is this is what Christianity is all about. This is that's um, right. this is what Christianity really has to offer the world. That's exactly um, so. Okay, so do we have uh, any direct counsel for the four horsemen? Well, uh, absolutely, Lyle, with criticism. Uh, the scripture tells us very clearly, do not judge. In Matthew 7, uh, you know, that whole passage, 1 to 5, I'll just read the first 7, I'll, I'll just read verses, you know, um, 1 and 2. It says, judge not that you not be judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Mm. Uh, this whole passage is very, very meaningful. Where God says, "Who are you to judge? You probably don't have the whole, you know, picture. I'm the the one who has the whole picture. And how can you judge yourself? Because you yourself, you yourself, you know, uh, have a beam in your eye, and you're judging about the speck of dust in somebody else's eye. So, so God says, "I'm the judge." Do not be do not be judgmental as a person. 
Mm-hmm. Great advice. Um, that certainly requires a lot of insight, you know, humility and maturity to, you know, suspend our judgment. Perhaps, um, perhaps you don't have all the information. Perhaps you would uh, do even worse under the same circumstances. Um, so, yeah, continuing on from there, what about uh, defensiveness? Uh, yes, the Word of God is very clear uh, that, to, by the way, John Gottman was correct in his prescription uh, of the antidote for it. He said that the best way when it comes to defensiveness was to take responsibility for our mistakes. And the Word of God uses the term um, confess. Uh, in James 5.16, says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray uh, for one another that you may be healed. Mm. And, and so, so, so confessing, owning it, uh, and it can heal the sick relationship. Yeah. Uh, just by saying, I'm sorry, I, I've, I've blown it. <laughs> and uh, contempt? <laughs> and contempt, uh, contempt is, is about considering oneself superior, and according to Gottman, uh, making comments from a superior place. And the Word of God says uh, in Romans twelve three, For I say to the grace given to me to everyone uh, who is among you, uh, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Oh, I like that. Uh, and, and, uh, I mean, the, the, the heaps of other, other worsenings and stonewalling maybe at the end mm. uh, a little because our time is almost uh, 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 gone. It says um, uh, to prevent flooding, be angry, but do not sin. Don't let, do not let sun go down on your wrath. In other words, deal with the issues, communicate. When you're calm enough to do so effectively, I think that needs to be emphasized. Uh, yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> and, and aim for a win-win situation. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, so that, that's, that's kind of a spiritual application on those four horsemen. Thank you so much for joining us today, David. A pleasure as always to have you on the show. And right now we'll move on with the rest of our programming for the day. Stay tuned.
enjoy fantastic food, fun, friends and fellowship? Sure do. Then join us at the Philos Food Hub. For $5, you can receive a large food pack with free fruit and veggies thrown in and a complimentary breakfast as well. Wow. Where? At the Adventist Church on Newcastle Road, Walls End, number 63. Is that the big iconic A-frame church near the roundabout? Sure is, and it starts 10 a.m. every Thursday. Great. I'll see you there. Forgiveness. It's easier said than done. But there's a program called Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.